We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome inside another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. It is Wednesday, February 6th, and we are officially into the NFL offseason with the Super Bowl having wrapped up this past weekend. And today on a -A Pack-A-Day podcast, we have something special for you guys. We have two new members joining me today. Jacob Westendorf will be continuing on with Pack-A-Day on Sundays. But I have two new people joining me today, and before we get into anything, I'd like to introduce them both to you guys. One of them you have heard in the past on Pack-A-Day podcast, I believe just a week ago with Andy Herman. So today joining me, I have Maggie Lawler. And Maggie, if you'd just like to introduce yourself quickly to the Pack-A-Day crew, I know people kind of know you, like I said, from before having been on the show, but now being a full-time member just give your give a little introduction of yourself and what you think people should know about you yeah this is going to be really fun I'm really looking forward to doing this full-time now Um, but like you said Nick my name is Maggie Lawler Um, I got my start writing about the Packers with the Lombardi Lounge um, at Lombardi underscore lounge Uh, so I do some writing for them usually three or four pieces during the season a couple pieces a week during the off season um, and now I'm just really excited to now get to podcast um, in addition to my writing. 
Awesome. Well, we are very glad to have you along. And our other newest member, Paul. And Paul, I apologize. I didn't ask you this before we started. How do you pronounce your last name? It is Brettel. Brettel. All right. Well, Paul, give us a little bit of introduction about yourself. Um, I am the co-expert and editor for Dairyland Express, a fan-sided. We cover Packers, Brewers, Bucks, Badgers. Um, that's where I do just about all of my writing, and then as well as with PackersTalk.com. Um, but I'm born and raised in Town here, and I absolutely love the Packers, and I'm happy to be a part of the podcast working with you too. All right, great. Well, like I said, we are all very excited to have both of you along with us today. So with that, let's jump in. So I want to start with this. So Super Bowl 53 in the books. Not sure who you guys were rooting for, but uh, it started floating around uh, Sunday before the game started that there was a possibility that the Packers and the Bears would open up on Thursday night football to kick off the NFL's 100th season as the Bears are also celebrating their 100th season And so to do kind of almost what Green Bay did last year, opening up with the Bears at home, we very much presume that if this would be the case, that this game would not be at Lambeau, but at Soldier Field. So this started floating around on Sunday, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on this, but I I have this theory that's a little out there, but... I think this is my theory as to why the NFL is considering having the Packers and Bears open up the 2019 season to celebrate 100 years. So it is no secret that the NFL and Roger Goodell are not big fans of the New England Patriots. So my theory was that it would make a lot of sense that they had decided before the game that if the Patriots won, they didn't want the Patriots representing the league, opening up the 100th season on Thursday night football, having to go to Foxborough and Roger Goodell giving out and presenting the Lombardi trophy to start the 100th season of the NFL. But it also didn't seem to make any sense to me that if the Rams won a franchise that you moved to Los Angeles because it's such a large market and that they had been there before and it there would be starting they're, they're in their what their second or third year in Los Angeles it didn't seem to make any sense to me that you wouldn't want the LA market to represent you if they had won the Super Bowl so my thought was and now I am this is my personal belief that Packers and Bears will open the 2019 season because the Patriots have won. I want to get your guys' perspective. Am I crazy for thinking this, or is there at least a little bit of sense to what I just said? I I think there's a little bit. I can see where you're coming from. Um, so I don't think it's a, too far out there, but I really think a big reason was the NFL's 100th season. They're going with their in, oldest rivalry, and in my opinion, the greatest rivalry. And it's also going to be the Bears' 100th season as well. Um, so I think that that was a big contributor as to why they decided to go Packers-Bears. Yeah, I like what Paul's saying with the Bears' 100th season. It's the oldest rivalry in the NFL and maybe all of sports, for all we know, for all I know. Um, but I also think that there's something to be said about the way that the Packers and the Bears kicked off Sunday Night Football this season and how close of a game that was and you know, Aaron Rodgers just one moment of the year on Saturday for his historic comeback against the Bears. So I know the Bears beat the Packers at Soldier Field this season, but opening up week one, there's going to be a lot on the line. And I think a lot of people are going to forget about the Bears victory um, this past season in Soldier Field. 
but nobody's going to forget about week one for quite a while because it was such an impactful comeback. So, you know, it could be the NFL trying to see if, you know, maybe throw the bears a bone, give them a, an opener against a, a hated rival and see what they can do. All right. Well, I like it. Throwing the bears a bone. They do certainly need one. Um, but all right. Well, so let's move into a few other things here quickly. So Super Bowl 53 just ended. Vegas to shouldn't be a surprise to anybody uh, already has their early odds for Super Bowl 54. Uh, so probably to again nobody's surprise Kansas City is the early favorite at 6 to 1 and then the LA Rams the Saints and the Patriots open at 8 to 1 odds then you have the Chargers the Bears and the Steelers opening at 14 to 1 and then here's where Green Bay comes in Green Bay Minnesota and Dallas all at 16 to 1 and then just for fun because they're part of the NFC North Detroit opening at a hundred to one to win the Super Bowl. What do you guys make of that? Is that sixteen to one? Is that a is that a fair place considering the Packers haven't made the playoffs the last two seasons? Six nine and one this last year, a big letdown. New coach, you know, is this fair, Maggie? Let's start with you. Is that a fair place to put the Packers at sixteen to one? You know, I was thinking about that earlier, and I think a lot of it is just because of Aaron Rodgers. I don't think if you looked at the Super Bowl odds from last season, any team with a brand new head coach would have been gifted those kind of odds. And I could be mistaken, so feel free to yell at me on Twitter if I am mistaken. But you look at uh, Frank Wright coming in with the Colts, and that team started really abysmal. I think it was like one in five before they really got rolling, so... That's giving the Packers a lot of credit and Matt LaFleur a lot of credit to think that they can come in and immediately put up a playoff caliber season. And Paul, what do you think? Um, I think it's a, I think it's a fair spot to be like Maggie said, it's the, it's the Aaron Rodgers factor, just like it is with most things for uh, the green Bay Packers. But also this is a talented team. I mean, if we look at the offense, when you think about core offensive positions, Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback, Devontae Adams, at receiver, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari holding down left tackle. Um, I mean, there's a lot of teams in this league that would that would die to have that core. Um, and so I think my expectations for year one with the floor are to make the playoffs. Um, and even though we've missed the last two years, I think looking ahead, they have a lot of the key players there. And then I think just um, what LeFleur can bring and what we've seen, what he can do in the past, I think it gives them the, the right to have that 16 to one odd. Yeah, you know, I, when I first saw this, you know, I thought 16 to 1 seems high to me for Super Bowl odds. If you told me 16 to 1 odds to make the playoffs, I, f- I personally feel that's a little bit closer. And it's kind of the next thing I want to talk about here with you guys. So we talked a little bit pre show about this Packers team and kind of, you know, again, 6 9 and 1 this past season, not anything of what anyone expected, but I went back and I looked at all of their losses and their tie with the Vikings uh, from this past year, and this is something that I've been feeling for a while. If we exclude the Lions game and I think we can all agree to just throw that game out, it really never happened. Um it was more of a formality. So if we exclude that game, the Packers lost eight other games, and in those eight games, they lost by no more than 14 points. They lost by 14 points two times during the season. They lost week three at the Redskins by 14, and then in week nine, they lost to the Patriots 
by 14 points. And But when you look at that game, the, that game was tied at 17 apiece going into the fourth quarter, and the very first play of the fourth quarter was the Aaron Jones fumble that really seemed to, you know, really shift that game. But every other game then was a one-possession game. And when you look at it, I mean, the Packers lost to the Rams on the road, and they had a very good chance of winning that game. The Rams just played this past weekend in the Super Bowl. And we already touched on the Patriots, how they took them to the fourth quarter, and the Patriots won the Super Bowl. And they lost to the Seahawks in Seattle by three. Seattle made the playoffs. They lost to the Bears in Chicago by seven points. The Bears, 12-4, and won the North. They played a close game in that. And really what I'm getting at is, you know, and I don't. I hope people kind of agree with me on this. I, I The Packers were 6-9-1, and one, but it feels like they were just a couple of bounces, and maybe, maybe a couple is not the right way to phrase it when you lose nine games. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is they didn't really get beat badly by anybody other than the Redskins. The Redskins game was the one game we looked at and said, yeah, that you know, that that 14 points they weren't really it didn't ever feel like they were in that game, but is it fair to say that the Packers really aren't all that far off and that a healthy Aaron Rodgers and just kind of some fresh blood in the coaching staff that this team can very easily contend for the playoffs like it shouldn't be a struggle this year when you look at the point differential and and this team should be a playoff team this year, should they not? I would agree with that. I looked at their um, some offensive statistical categories from last year, and where they rank doesn't really match up with a 6-9-1 and one team. They were 12th in total yards, 14th in points per game, 9th in passing yards per game, and then they were 7th in offensive DVOA, which is defensive adjusted value over average. What that measures is every play um, is measured individually, and then it compares it to the league average this, and taking into account the situation in, a, in the opponent. So gaining five yards on third and four against the Bears is a lot more valuable than gaining five yards on third and 12 against um, the Arizona Cardinals. And the Packers rank seventh in that, um, in that category for the whole NFL. If we look at teams that are drafting around them, so similar records, the Cincinnati Bengals were 19th. Buffalo Bills were 31st. Miami Dolphins were 26th. So I think, and going back to what I mentioned earlier about just the talent that this team has, especially on the offensive side, um, the statistics don't um, back up the 6-9-1 and one record. So I think that playoffs are very realistic for them. Now, I want to spin it. I want to play devil's advocate here because I do see the argument that the Packers could have been 12-4 and four or you know, at least make a postseason push. But then you have to flip it and look at the games that they won and think about the fact that this could have been like a 4-12 and team. They beat the Bears at home week one by one point because of a miracle comeback. They managed to tie the Vikings in overtime when they realistically could have lost because of a couple missed field goals. Um, Outside of maybe the Bills and the Falcons game, they took it down to the wire with the 49ers without Jimmy Garoppolo. They beat the Dolphins pretty convincingly, but... You know, they haven't, outside of the Jets, you know, they took them to overtime too. These are some really close games that could have also gone the other way. And, you know, and and I would very much agree with that. So is it then fair then, Maggie, to say that this team 
is almost a completely coin flip team that they could be anywhere from that four and twelve spectrum to twelve and four. I mean, what I, I guess I guess my question would be then is how what do the Packers need to improve so that they that they aren't always in a coin flip game? One of the things that I wrote down that I wanted to talk about for next season was that emphasis that I think the Packers are going to put on the run game. So you look at how they'll utilize Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. In 2017, Leonard Fournette had nine touchdowns for over 1,000 yards with Nathaniel Hackett as his offensive coordinator. Aaron Jones, before he got injured in 2018, had eight touchdowns and over 700 rushing yards, another 200 yards and one touchdown receiving. Jamal Williams is your back with four rushing touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns. So he really almost uh, catches the ball more than he rushes with the ball. Um, But then even in Tennessee this past season, Derrick Henry came in, rushed for over a thousand yards, only starting 12 of 16 games, had 12 touchdowns. Um, 2017, again, TJ Yeldon. And 2018, one rushing touchdown, four receiving touchdowns. So, that emphasis on the run game, I think, will really open up some passing lanes for Aaron Rodgers because when you look at the McCarthy-led offense, there was such a hesitancy to run the ball. And I think his offense, and I think anyone on Twitter will agree, or you know, fans that watch the game, his offense got a little predictable, especially in um, first-down situations, third-and-long situations. You knew what was happening or you knew what was going to come. So to open up the running game and really put an emphasis on that, which I think Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett will do, you know, this offense could look a lot different and the passing lanes could really open up for Devonta Adams and whoever steps in as that wide receiver too. Yeah. And, and I would agree. And, and I mean, Paul, do, do you, what, what do you think the Packers need to do to make sure that they're not in these coin flip games? Um, my biggest thing from last year is I, put a lot of the blame on the coaching as for the biggest reasons for the issues. Um, David Bakhtiari was in an interview, uh, I think maybe it was just last week or so, where he said people were showing up late to the plane to head to the game, um, team meetings, there were no repercussions. The amount of time, and he still never fully did it to get Aaron Jones the ball. Um, it seemed like everyone knew that except for McCarthy and his coaching staff. Um, the offense was stale and bland. Every week it seems like they lost the same exact way and there just weren't those week to week adjustments that you see. Um, And then just kind of the effort in some of the games as well, especially the Arizona one. Um, I mean, if we compare the Packers roster up and down to the Patriots roster up and down, I mean, there's not many positions where the Patriots have a huge advantage, maybe tight end with Gronk. Um, But I think a lot of it just went on the coaching. So I'm really excited for, Lafleur to come in and he's shown that he can have that flexibility um you know a lot of the offense last year for the Titans was centered around Delaney Walker he gets injured right away so Lafleur adjusts the offense to fit their strengths I feel like at the end of the McCarthy era it just would have been all right next guy in even if it doesn't fit for that player or maybe that player is not at the same level as what the starter was yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I'm glad we're talking about this running back position because I, eh, if you, eh, and for those that listen, you know that I am a huge fan of Aaron Jones. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. um, the man should just be always getting the football. And, and, and I don't just mean in the running game. Like, like Aaron Jones should be involved to the point of like 
more than getting handoffs and more than getting screen passes. Like, I would really just love to see Aaron Rodgers be like, dude, you're a playmaker. I'm just going to throw you the ball on, like, non-designed screen passes. But one of the things that I always felt was that, for whatever reason, Mike McCarthy, I don't know if he, like, didn't want to utilize Aaron Jones or if he had an affinity for Jamal Williams I think we can all agree that Aaron Jones is the starting running back for the Packers this coming year and Jamal Williams though I I believe he serves a purpose to this team right it's not like he's bad and can't play and shouldn't play it's not that he he does have his a role on this team but if you look objectively between the two Aaron Jones is clearly the the go-to guy. Do you feel though that in any way that that Matt LaFleur will do anything remotely like McCarthy did where he just utilizes Jamal Williams in ways when you are looking at it and it clearly he shouldn't be used in certain areas or you know I I remember even um in the Falcons game Aaron Jones didn't get his first carry of the game in the Falcons game until the second quarter. And I don't know if that was due to injury. He seemed healthy when he came into the game. So are are we going to see this? Are we finally going to see Aaron Jones like truly be the guy to get like 20 to 25 touches a game? Or, or is Jamal Williams going to be interspersed like he was in past these past two seasons and, you know, have that running back shared load of about maybe 13 carries and touches a piece? I think that there will be, um, I think that Jones will get more of the carries, but I also think that Williams brings some value, you know, in Jones first two seasons so far, he hasn't made it through it healthy. So I think, you know, given Williams a fair share of the carries, just, uh, I don't know if it just needs to be taken easier for Jones throughout the season or what that is, but Lafleur had Deion Lewis and um, Derek Henry in Tennessee, you know, kind of similar styles with the smaller back and the bigger back. Um, and they had a top 10 rushing team last year. So I do think that Aaron Jones should be uh, the workhorse. And like I said earlier, the flexibility that Lafleur has shown as a play caller, I think he'll be better in tuned with um, utilizing Aaron Jones and when to use him in, and in the correct situations. And I might think, a little flack for this, um, but I look at Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and I think that they both add incredible value to the passing game. You look at uh, like what the Patriots can do with James White or Sony Michelle, and I don't see any reason why Matt Lafleur and Nathaniel Hackett couldn't do something like that with Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams. I think about the Jamal Williams touchdown against the Browns in 2017, where he was just wide open in the end zone because they forgot to cover him, not expecting him um, to break out um, across the middle of the field. I think about the Aaron Jones touchdown to Seattle and Aaron Jones after the season ended said that he was going to emphasize his passing ability. And he wanted to make sure that Aaron Rodgers knew that he wasn't just a rushing back and that he also was going to be available as a weapon in the passing game. So between the two uh, LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett and what they've done with running backs, I think that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both going to have some pretty big season, uh, big roles next season. And I, and I've, uh, Oh, go ahead, Paul. And and I've written about this before. Um, I think Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara, they're very, they're very similar. If you look at their, um, you know, their measurables from the combine 40, the cone drill, 
vertical for, you know, kind of burst and all that. They're all very similar. Aaron Jones um, caught a lot of passes out of the backfield at UTEP. Um, now I don't expect him with um, an Aaron Rodgers led offense to get the same amount of passing attempts that Alvin Kamara does, but I think he can be used in a very, very similar way. Just that versatile out of the backfield, even lining up in the slot at times just to create mismatches, just like the saints do with Kamara. Yeah. And, and like I said, I believe that both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams bring something to the table. I just, I guess this is me personally, and maybe this is me not looking at it objectively. Like I said, we should, I just feel like Aaron Jones brings such a burst and such a playmaking ability. I'd love to see him get more opportunities in the offense than he's already getting. All right. Well, so we're, we're wrapping up here. There's one last quick thing I want to talk to you guys about before we wrap for the day. So came out the other day, Aaron Rodgers, he's not having, he's not, he's not needing knee surgery this off season, which, you know, I think we can all say, thank goodness that he doesn't need surgery. Mm -hmm. But when you look at that, that it comes out that he doesn't need surgery, and this may seem like a fairly obvious question, but the fact that they're even coming out and saying, no, he doesn't need surgery and will be able to participate with the team as soon as they are allowed to start practicing, getting together, all that kind of stuff – because they even have to come out and say that, does that maybe point to some of his struggles this past season where you say, well, maybe he looked 100% when you watched him on TV by the time he got to week eight or nine or whatever, but that he was just never truly healthy and that contributed to what people deemed as his you know, down year and not playing as well? I think there's a couple pieces to that. I think that his health definitely was a factor. And even if he didn't have a bulky knee brace on, there still, you know, could have been some lingering issues with the knee. But I also think a lot of it, um, you know, was the coaching and what they expected him to run the offense like. Um, and I know that Rogers has a certain way that he wants to run things. And McCarthy obviously also had a certain way that he wanted to run things. So when you have a fully healthy, 100% ready to go Aaron Rodgers, he can make plays always. And I think that that kind of um, helped to cover up some of the flaws in uh, McCarthy's game plan. But when he wasn't able to escape the pocket, um, you know, have those eight or nine second um, beautiful offensive line protection where he can make a play out of nothing or his wide receivers weren't on the same page to know how to scramble, then all of that kind of breaks down. And I think a lot of that did have to do with that lingering knee injury that maybe everyone wasn't as aware of because there was no brace. I would agree with that as well. I think he played the whole season um, injured, and I do think it uh, affected his play. I think that over the years, we've just come, become so accustomed to Aaron Rodgers carrying this this offense. And I think even McCarthy got a little bit that way as well. Um, maybe becoming a little more lax in um, his game planning, the schemes kind of relying on Aaron Rodgers will figure it out for us just as he has every time. And then now a little banged up, maybe he just couldn't, um, you know, he obviously couldn't put together the same seasons that we're used to. And I think that that was a factor. All right. So you both feel that there's very much a reason for optimism going into 2019. Yes. hundred percent. All right, yep. great. Well, we are out of time for today. Uh, before we wrap here, uh, Maggie, I want to start with you. If people want to follow you, get connected with you, follow your work, how can they do that? 
My Twitter is at Maggie Lawler, L-A-W-L-E-R. And I also write for, like I said earlier, the Lombardi Lounge, which is at Lombardi underscore lounge. All right, great. And Paul, how can people get connected with you? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. And I write for Dairyland Express. And you can find us on Twitter at Dairyland Express. All right. And as always, you can follow me, Nick Schmitz, at SportsMitty on Twitter. I do not write for someone like my lovely co-hosts do. So unfortunately, or probably fortunately in many of your cases, uh, you can't find my writing anywhere. Uh, but you can always find us here at Packaday Podcast. Make sure that you are following us on Twitter and on your favorite podcasting platforms. Make sure to like, give us a rating. Uh, we are going into the off season now. It's, it's sadly about another 180 days before we get another NFL game. And I believe that 180 days goes up to the next meaningful NFL game, not including preseason. So, but that doesn't mean that there isn't football stuff going on. It does not mean that we don't have great stuff to bring to you guys. The Combine is coming up soon. Free agency is in about a month here. It'll be interesting to see where the Packers go with that. you got the draft coming up. And before you know it, 2019 season, training camp will be here in July. And it'll be much, much warmer than it is right now here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which I would very much love to have much warmer weather. But thank you again, guys, for listening so much. We're going to continue bringing you great content every day and as always go pack go from the 16 of new york first down goal to go rogers in the shotgun williams to his left here's the snap rogers clean pocket throws the middle of the end zone and they beat morris playboard to the back line of the end zone the packers have won it snap to wild Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone in a rainbow leap to the north end zone scale. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Pepper on third down and three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz and here they come. Pepper looking as he throws it deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the tackle. Nice reach. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28 yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here is placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Yes. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap, Ryan, looks right, goes right down. Intercepted to the house for Sean Freeland. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7 Packers. And Rodgers looks it over. Takes the snap. Blitz on. They pick it up. Love they got him. They got him. Single back off that's behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks it under center. On the 29 of Green Bay, and here's the handoff up the middle. 
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.